So how many of y'all remember the old song, Meeting in the Air? You know, do y'all remember that we used to have, we used to sing a lot, whoa, we used to sing a lot of songs about the coming of the Lord, didn't we? There's going to be a meeting in the air in that sweet, sweet by and by. How I long to meet you over there. Y'all don't even know it. In the home beyond the sky, what singing there will be, you know, what singing we will hear, never heard by mortal ear. Now, do you know, it will be glorious, I do declare, no. And God's own son will be the leading one in that meeting in the air. Yeah, we got it. I love that one. And then my all-time favorite in my Baptist church, we had... um, Every now and then on a Sunday morning, the congregation got to make the requests for the songs. You know, oh, and I was a kid, and our song leader, he would do this the whole time. You know what I mean? His, this is how he did it. And so he, I would raise my hand. I was always like, and he would just look around, mm, over here, and I would just keep on until he finally is like, yes, Andrea. And he knew what it was going to be. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Do y'all know it? Freedoms we all hold dear now are at stake. Humble yourself for God, save from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christian, Christians awake. Right? Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon. Y'all don't know that one? Many will meet their doom, trumpets will sound. All of the dead shall rise, righteous meet in the skies, going where no one dies, heavenward bound. Yeah, see? These are the songs I was raised on. How about this? We shall see the king. We shall see the king. We shall see the king when he comes. He is coming in power. All hail the blessed hour. We shall see the king when he comes. How many of you have never heard any of those songs? Wow. You didn't. I mean, if I, you know, the day of the Lord songs were plenteous when I was growing up. You went to the, oh, UPC, they didn't sing about the coming of the Lord? Not those? Okay. We're missing. <laughs> Maybe so. Y'all can look for them. Yeah, those are good. But today as we go, let's go in our Bibles to, I don't know where I want to start. I'm going to read Revelation 6, the last part of it. Uh-oh. Now, We've gone through all the seals, but I'm going to pause at the sixth seal. I want to answer a question that is asked in the Bible, or try to answer it anyway. Let's pick up and see um, 6 and 12. Are you all there? It's important you all see this. And I saw then the Lamb open the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake. The sun became as black as sackcloth made of goat's hair. And the full moon became like blood. The stars of heaven fell to the earth like a fig tree drops unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. So the figs fall unnaturally. Is that me? Was y'all? Okay. So they fail. Unripe figs are not supposed to fall to the ground, are they? Because when a fruit gets ripe, what does it do? It loses its, its connection between it and the tree, and it becomes easy to pick, right? You can pick a, something that's ripe, just simple. Well, this is, there's an, uh, this, so it speaks of something unnatural and something circumstantial happening. So the stars from heaven fell to the earth like a fig drops unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The heaven ripped apart like a scroll being rolled up. Now that right there, that always gets me. I just don't know. I've told y'all, I think that 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 is going to be quite the the scene. I I believe it's going to be as the seen realm gives way to the unseen realm. You know what I mean by that? As the seen, see if you look up in in the sky right now and you see, and you're familiar with everything you see, right? 
nothing is scary. But imagine, and I've, I've thought of it like this. How many of you have seen the show um, The Hunger Games? You know, when she, when they're in, I love the Hunger Games, by the way, that and Divergent, two of my favorite, you know, things. And so in the Hunger Games, when they're in the dump, the game, right, they're in the game, it's all a world, what's going on here? It's this world where the dome is at, and it all looks like there's a sky and trees and the atmosphere looks like it, but then they realize when they get to the edge of the dome that it's just a, it's a, it's a game. They're in a virtual reality. And so then they touch the edge of it and it goes and they can see the grid pattern that they're in a reality, not the real reality. And so that's how I like to think of this when the heavens roll up like a scroll. It's going to be something like that when this reality of this world, everything you've always known, the other reality, the other dimension that you've never seen becomes visible in this dimension that and all of a sudden can you imagine that I mean just all of it what what wait a second what do you think the inhabitants of the earth are going to think at that time we got a wow we got a wow we got we got what what are the I'm home okay we got he's going I'm home who else we got some uh uh-oh what do you think they're going to think? What are you, okay, let's just put yourself in it right now. Forget that you're reading this from the Bible and you're here. What are you going to, what is somebody going to think? If something's coming in from another, what? Aliens. I mean, that's what, you know what I mean? I mean, you're already primed for it. We're already primed. We are already primed for this. I mean, how many of y'all know that the government has released all of the the files from Area 50, whatever, one? And that they have actually, just the other day, I watched a news report on CNN of a man in the military who's talking about, uh, it's, they don't call them UFOs, it's something else, but it's a UFO that they were talking. This has now become mainstream, has it not? It's mainstream. You're already prepared for this. You, the whole world is being prepared for that. And you're like, well, why are they preparing? What's the, what's the deal? Now, I won't talk about it today. We will get into it because I, I, I bought a book called Lights in the Sky and Little Green Men. You know, and I bought it because I have, ne- I mean, now I know you can't ask a normal person if they're normal and, them, and take their own testimony. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm the most normal person I know. It means nothing, Right. But I am not an alien person. You know what I mean? I'm not that person. I grew up all my life with my dad's drug addict friends. They all. I mean, there's not a, there's not a breast difference between a drug addict and an alien enthusiast. I grew up with them. I know. I can tell you this. You know what I'm saying? It's like somehow they just run in packs. And so now you're, I may have offended some of you. <laughs> I'm just saying what my, um, what, what my, my, what I've observed. I mean, I grew up in a drug culture. And so I know the people who come in and out. I, I've, I'm well acquainted with that, with that echelon of society. And even in drug culture, there's different versions of the same person. Because in drug, my dad would have people come over and, you know, then you have the, the smarter ones. My dad was a smarter one. He was smarter. He believed in leprechauns. <laughs> Not really, but kind of. House fairies. You know, drugs are, they do stuff to your brain. And so, um, but we would have friends come over, and there would inevitably always be some guy or gal who would be a schitzer. You know what I mean? Tweaking, eating air biscuits. Like, what are you trying to bite off your shoulder right now? Picking. You think I'm, if I'm making fun of you, so what? You know, picking, picking, tweaking, moving. I'm like, I'm a kid and I'm like, you ain't right. And they'd leave and my dad would always say, all right, girl, she's fried. She's cooked. That's what it meant, you know what I mean? And it wasn't a breast different than they were. You, you go aliens and they'll jump right in that stream with you. 
They got that something I can talk about. And so we look at that. And so I've all I say all that to say this. I've always been on alien, right? Because I associate it with with that group of people. And so, and then it just comes up and up and up and up and up in my end time studies. And I just have to go, I have to go, okay, I need an answer for this. But I, I will talk about it later. But what we see in alien encounters, that 99% of all so-called alien encounters are false. Or they are explainable by natural means. A guy listened to astrophysicists, he said he studied alien encounters. 1%, he said, have some veracity. He said, but in every situation that he has ever looked at with an alien encounter that has veracity, in the small percentage, he said, always it is deleterious to the person who had the encounter. It is harmful. Deleterious, harmful to them. He said, and always it happens in regions of the world where there's high occultic activity. So, he said, and so what he... What he, his, he concludes, and he's a Christian, he said, I, I see in alien encounters that it is the demonic realm manifesting itself. Yeah. Now, some of you may be like, I don't know. But anyway, I say this, when the skies, there, but I, I say all of that to say this, there's already a narrative out there. It's just waiting. There's a narrative out there for anybody to jump on whatever stream they may want to jump into. And so that brings us to the place here in this, in this scripture as the heavens are rolled. We're seeing the heavens are rolled up like a scroll. And every mountain and island was moved from their places. That is some earthquake. Then the kings of the earth, then the kings of the earth, the great men and the military commanders and the rich and the mighty and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks and the mountains. And they tell the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. And here's the scripture I want to get to. For the day of their wrath, the one seated on the throne is who? Read the scripture. God the Father. And the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. It's plural there. For the day of their Wrath has come, and who is able to stand? That, don't jump ahead. That's the question we're going to answer today. Who is able, and it's answered in the scripture, to stand? Yes, Hank? Mine says there. What is what is yours? What does y'all say? The, he is wrath. Mine says there. See, mine is tree of life version. Yeah, mine's a tree of life version. I can go and let's hang on. Hang on. Let's see here. Now we know that, of course, God is. I'm gonna. I, that's good. I want. Hang on. Just a second. Put my mic down. It has a lot of Jew. It's Jewish. It's Jewish. I can't, I can't get it. Hey, Mike, can you do something for me? Can you look up? Can, Mike, can you look up that in uh, Bible Hub? I can't get a signal in here. And tell me what it is in the original Greek. It's, it's, Revelation, it's Revelation 6 and 17. It does. It, and you're good. See, that's why, they, that's why they translate it that way. So, but I want to see, see when you're, this is, he's going to look into the original Greek. It's just this easy to look into the Greek. If y'all don't know how to do it, come see me afterwards. I'll show you how to do it. But if I could get a signal, I'd have to go connect to the internet. You got it, Mike? Good deal. NIV says there. No, I want to go into the Greek. Lexicon. Yeah, the lexicon right there. Greek. You don't use this one, do you? I use lexicon. I don't know. 
And the wrath of them. Looks like it right there. Pull up that. I just want to. Yeah. It's all, it, so it could be any of them. The pronoun is autos in the Greek, and it can be used for he, she, it, they, them, or the same, any of them. But see, the, but what he's saying there is that the, the, context, the context should set the tone for what the, the pronoun should be. And when it says there in the verse before, the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. It made a plural, so then the interpreter, the right, I think the right translation should be there because we've just described two. And so that's where the translation comes in. Whenever you're translator, you're reading a translation of the original Greek. And so the translator then goes in and based on what the scripture's saying, they will choose what the translation is. That's why when, whatever you're reading, you should know how to go to the Greek and then ascertain for yourself what the actual meaning is and that you say well I just want somebody to tell me we don't live in a day of that I tell you aliens are real you see what I'm saying you need to know how to find truth for yourself and that's where we're going to go yes I saw it's a parallel So it uses the actual two in the message as well. So, and then when you're using the message, you know that that's a, it's called a dynamic equivalent. It's not a direct parallel of the translation, but it does help you in reading sometimes to get a, an understanding of the scripture. But I wouldn't use it solely. And he's not saying to, but he's saying sometimes just to get the flow. Exactly. And you have to know that. Yes, you have to know that when you're reading. But today, what I want to really zero in on is who able to stand. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Because I think ultimately, whenever you study Revelation, whenever you study Daniel, whenever you study the end of the age, whenever you study in the idea of an earthquake so strong that every mountain is moved and the islands flee away. I mean, what would it take to make an island flee away? A big wave. All you got to do, it would be pretty easy. You know how you do it? If I were God, I'd sink a mountain and that would raise the water level so much that it would drown the islands just like that. We act like atomic energy is the be-all, end-all of the end of the age. Like, like God has to have man make nuclear weapons in order to, in order to bring the planet to, its desi to his planned end. God doesn't need man to make any nuclear weapon. He can just tap his foot and, and cause a mountain. To, I mean, he's got tectonic plates in the core of the earth that all he's got to do is shift a little bit and he can split the whole planet open causing tsunamis and earthquakes and mountains to fall I mean I mean one I mean a tsunami on our west coast could cause everything all the way up to Nevada to disappear at least California we're like oh well The big one. Is this the big one? I know. So they're expecting it, you know. So as we look, but that's the, I mean, isn't that what you want to know? Who is able to make, to stand? Who's able to stand in the day of his wrath? Who's a, I mean, I want us to sing Jesus is coming soon and really like it. So as we look here, see now the, uh, the New Testament is not disconnected from the Old Testament. 
If you have a, a belief in the Bible that has the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament as somehow not different people but different personalities, then you don't understand the Bible or God. Because when he said, I am God and I change not, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God in the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament. The covenant in the Old, the old Covenant. That's what testament means. The old covenant is just an extenuation into the new covenant. It's not like, oh, I'm tired of that one. Let's do something new today. It's the bringing out. The old testament holds the new testament concealed. And the new testament holds the old testament revealed. You've got to know both or you know nothing. Not in whole, maybe in part, maybe bits and pieces that you can string together and put your alien charm right on the middle of it. You see what I'm saying? This is how some people get their truth. It's sort of like curated truth. Like you go online and pick your groceries from, from HelloFresh or something. I want that. I don't like that. I want that. I want that. And it just comes to your door magically. That's not how truth works. You're not curating truth. God is the author and the finisher of our faith. And he is the supplier of truth. He's the source of truth. You don't cook it up in your little brain. Does that make sense? I said little, because compared to God, your brain is little bitty. Itty bitty weeny, teeny, teeny tiny. Yeah. Your ways, I, do I need to go on with scripture? Your ways are not my ways, saith the Lord. And my way, as the, and your thoughts are not my thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But, he said, that seems like an, an insurmountable problem that we have between my thoughts and your thoughts and my ways and your ways. But he, he turns it on a, little con, on a little contraction, you know, co conjunction rather, called but. But as the heavens are higher than the earth and as the rain and the snow descend from heaven to earth what do the rain what what do the rain and snow do they connect wait let's start let's not get there yet they connect heaven to earth and they water giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be. It will not return to me void, but it will accomplish that which I sent it out to do. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and through him everything was made. Who's the word? Jesus. And where did he come from? Where did he come to? And what did he connect? The gap. The ladder. You remember that. See, you thought this all was, this is all connected. You know the ladder, Jacob's ladder. What did it connect? It extended from heaven to, and what was going up and down on that ladder? Angels. And what did Jesus say in the New Testament whenever he called Nathaniel? And he said, I saw you when you were sitting under the fig tree. And he said, whoa, you're the Messiah. He said, that gotcha? <laughs> he said, I'm gonna buddy, I'm going to show you greater things than these. And he looked at him because he knew this boy knew the Torah. He said, you're going to see the Son of Man with angels ascending and descending on him. What did he just tell Nathaniel? I'm the ladder. I'm the ladder. I connect heaven to earth. I'm who is able to stand against a God who decides to unravel this planet one molecule at a time? The very one who Colossians says that he holds everything together with, Hebrews says, the word of his power. When he, if he takes back his word, you know what happens? No nuclear weapons needed. So when you're talking about end times, let's not use newspaper exegesis. 
Let's use the Word of God to define the Word of God. And you'll come up from this study actually believing in a God who can keep you, a God who is able, as Jude 24 says, able to make you, to, wait, no, that's wrong. I'm going to do it right, to keep you from falling. Let's just go there. I want you all to have these scriptures. It's me. Let's go. Jude, who is able to stand? Let's go here first. Jude, it's Jude. There's only one chapter in Jude. Jude 24. Um, Hebrews, James, first and second Peter, Jude. It's called Judah in the in the in the Jewish Bible. It gets me every time. And if y'all do get this Bible, beware. It's put together differently than your King James or your other ones. They separate it. So your sword drills will do you no good or very little here. Okay, now to the one who is able, and there's your one capitalized there. If it's not, it should be. Now to the one who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Yeshua the Messiah, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, both now and forever. Amen. The one, he is, who's able to stand? The ones that he keeps from stumbling. He will, who's going to keep you from falling? That's it. Now, well, Andrea, if that's true, why do so many people fall? I see, how many of y'all see people fall all the time? Fall and they fall and they fall and they fall. I mean, their life is defined more by falling than it is by standing. You know anybody like that? I'm, really, I'm asking. You ever seen anybody, you've known anybody in your life like that? Yeah, they're just always falling. One calamity leads to another. To another, to another. Okay, let me read it again. I'm going to see if the, maybe the word's lying. Let's check it out. I'm nervous now. Now to the one who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great power. To the only God, our Savior. Through Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus the Savior, our Lord. Be glory, majesty, power, authority before all time, now and forevermore. Okay, so that tells me that if you're fallen, you're falling without. And if you're standing, you're standing with. It's either in or out. That's it. He's either the Lord of all, but he's not the Lord of some. And when I'm talking about your life, I'm talking about every area of your life. He's either the Lord of all your life. Or none of your life. Because we think he's so loving, he would never get us out on, you know, that we could alter the, we could somehow alter the, the ways and means of salvation. And we could somehow, through our thinking, with our magnificent pea brain, we could come up with an alternate route where God could deny his word in John 14, and we could find another way. It's not. You're, you're either going to stand or you're going to fall. I've told you many times, surrender is best done all at once, not in easy monthly installments. Because if you try to surrender Heart and peace, you know what's it called? Bespoke. I'll use a British word there. Ad hoc. If you try to surrender just a little bit at a time, you know, he can have all of me but the stuff I really like. He can have all of me but this relationship with my girlfriend. Boyfriend. Or maybe a thing. He can have all of me but this little thing I like it's not that bad there are lots of people who are worse than me it's not wise to compare yourself one with another you see now this may be hard for some but this is the this is that old time religion give me that 
I'm trying to find out who's going to stand. I'm just answering the question this morning. Who is able to stand? Who? Nobody else can be shaken. That's it. That's reminding me of another song. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Too much love drive a man insane. Okay, sorry. You broke my wheel. Okay. Okay. Songs. I get in those song modes. Okay. So here we are. Who's able to stand? So we did Jude, right? Now let's go to Romans 14, 4. Romans 14 and 4. Somebody's loud today. Who are you to judge another man's servant? I just like that, don't you? Who are you to judge another man's servant? Before his own master, he stands or falls. Yes, he shall stand. For the Lord is able to make him stand. Who, how do you know, no matter what, how this whole thing unfolds? I mean, there's going to be, a, I've told y'all, there's going to be a rapture, whether it be pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation. We know how, whenever you get caught up, I'm going in the first available opportunity. I'll tell you that right now. I'm, I'm going to be ready because I'm holding on. I mean, you, look at her. She's already, she's wavering over here. Just <laughs> that. We, no matter, no, ma I want to see people who have an unshakable faith, that your faith is not in an escape plan, but your faith is in the one who is able to make them, what? Stand. Well, what if I have to go through suffering? He'll make you stand. Well, what if things get tough? He'll make you stand. Well, what if I'm uncomfortable? He'll make you stand. There you go. It's like a message I heard Wednesday night about grace being a powerful force in our life that actually it's not some it's not some little cotton candy pass that we get. When God gives us his grace, he has given us the secret weapon of his power. And when I have his grace, I'll tell you this. If God falls, I fall. See, if, I hang, if I'm hanging on, if my, see, this is, what, this is what this comes down to. This is a finding what is the target of your faith. Many times in the house of God, I find Christians who have their hope is in their expectation. What does that mean? They have a target for their expectation. And they say, my life will go like this. I expect things to be like this, whatever that may be. Right? And then they plot, they plot their future and their faith according to their hope, their expectation. They plot it right there. Now what happens? We're going to do a little graph. Then what actually happens misses their expectation. And they fall. Has it ever, ever happened to anybody? Ever nearly happened to you? I mean, you're here. Nearly happened to me. That when something doesn't go like you expected it, it's like this. Hang on, I'm going to need a minute. That's how I feel when the Lord, when something doesn't go the way I expect it. Anybody ever tell what I'm talking about? And you're like, God, I'm going I'm to need a second here. Now you're not you're not being real if you're not if that's not if you you I'm telling you you've expected something and you're like and you got you wasn't expecting to get your teeth kicked in but they're loose you know what I'm talking about you weren't expecting to get punched in the nose and I'm talking about you know figuratively and it might be literally but it'd be easier if it were literally 
But you know what? Rung your bell. You know what I'm talking about? You got, as Mike said, you got punch drunk. You know, you get, you know, somebody punched you and you get punch drunk. And then for that minute, have you ever been hit by the devil and got punch drunk? I have. Well, you're like, And then I, but you know, in that moment, and I know, I know I've been, I might be punch drunk, but the person who knows their God will be strong and do X. The person who knows their God, they might get hit in the nose and they might see stars, but they don't sit down and start blaming God and quit everything because they now think that he is not able to keep them when the fact of the matter was all along they had an unrealistic expectation. And all this situation is proving is their hope was in their expectation and not in God. And I say thank you God for showing me for showing me that my hope was in some other expectation because if anything can make me fall, it'll be putting my hope somewhere that it won't be supported. Because when that hope's gone, my hope's there, pull the plug on it, when the mountains go into the sea and the islands disappear and my hope was in that mountain, I'm calling. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, who's able? So God's able, I'm telling you, no matter what you face, if the Jesus, if Jesus is your Lord, then he will make you stand. So right now, I don't know, you might go through something, he's able to make you stand. And he's able to make you stand in that day and actually, now let's say I got to go another place because this is where we go next. Let's go to Ephesians. This is, this is, we're making some grounds today. Ephesians 6, 13. You know this is the armor of God. You know, I love that though. What's it called? The ar- Whose armor is it? I love it. Whenever David went to face Goliath, Saul said, here, put on my armor and he went Saul was a big guy says his head and shoulders above the rest I mean if Saul in that day Israelite men were not very big Saul was probably six foot six one he is probably you know my height (laughs) he is six foot six one most likely you know what I mean he could some people I've read some uh, um, theologians and historians think he might have been up to six four and now Goliath is nine foot six, right? And so David is a kid. He hadn't even, he's not, I, I don't know that he's prepubescent, but I, I think he's right in that area of 13, 14, maybe up to 17, theologians say. So I'm, I'm more of a 14-year-old person myself in there. That's what I, just what I imagine anyway. And so when he went, do you think a man who may be upwards of six foot four, his armor is going to fit little David? No, he put that stuff on. Now, why would Saul want him to go out there in his armor? Huh? Do what? What'd you say? May appear bigger? So it would look like Saul did it. So, so that's right. It was my, if it wasn't my man, if it wasn't me as a man, it was my armor that did it, right? And so David, I mean, and he respected his king. So he put it on and he tried, he said, and he said, you know, no offense, man, but this is, I've not proved this. In other words, I'm not big enough to fill this out yet. He said, I'm going to have to take it off. He said, I don't know anything about warring in your armor. He said, all I know about warring is, I just know, I remember the day that a lion came in. And he said, there's something about, he didn't say this, but this is what I infer in the text. There was, David's thinking, there was something about that day when Samuel came to my mama and daddy's house. And I didn't even get called in out of the field because I was such a runt that nobody even considered me a part of the search committee. 
But as Saul walked by, all the seven big, full-grown, filled-out men, soldier portion kind of people that any one of them could have wore Saul's armor and done it well. Nope, not it. And Samuel looked at his dad and looked at, the, at Jesse and said, do, do you have any other sons? I know I, he's thinking at this point, did I not, did I miss God? He said, well, yeah, there's another son, but he's, he's, a, he's, he's just a kid. I mean, you're anointing a king, right? You're, he's a kid. Go get him. Here comes David. I can just imagine him smelling like sheep, you know, come be. I mean, come on. He just bebopping in, curly-headed, you know, redhead, little, you know, what? What's going on? And Samuel's like, that's it. Uncorks that horn of oil. We don't anoint like they used to. If I anointed you, if, if you anoint me like they used to, I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna punch you in the nose. <laughs> Pour, yeah. Poured it on his head in the presence of his brothers. And then David's like, now what? Go back to the sheep. And it was something happened to him after that anointing. And when a lion came, see, the Lord, the Lord wasn't testing the anointing. He was, te- he was showing David what the anointing could accomplish. You think when you get in your situation that the Lord is trying to destroy you. He's trying to show you how strong you can be in the standing whenever you need to stand in a circumstance. That's all he's trying to show you. And so here comes David, and then here comes the, and then the next, he kill, he grabs a lion by the beard. You know, do, do 13-year-old boys tear up lions with their hands? No. Lions are called the king of the jungle for a reason. They're the top of the food chain. You know where a lion lays? Anywhere he wants to. <laughs> Anywhere he wants to. And so then the next thing, a bear. Another fierce land mammal, right? A bear comes in, and, and he, he tears that up. And so when he stands before Saul, he said, I'm just going to do this in, in what? And I can't stand in your armor. I've got to stand in the armor of God. Well, what is the armor of God? I just told you. I put it together. Put two and two together for me right here, right now. How good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the oil running down the beard, running down the head, running down the beard of Aaron, all the way down his garments. It's a, see, the, the anointing, it starts at your head. And what does it do? It, it, your beard. It hits your garments all the way down to your feet. It's the actual armament you need, the anointing. You need to be anointed more than you need to have steak and potatoes, more than you need to have gas in your car, more than you need to have anything in your life. You need to be anointed. And it is befuddling to me why a people who call themselves children of God would forsake the very anointed presence of God and choose not to come to church or come to His Word or come to the prayer closet. The only places that you're going to be able to get the anointing to stay at nine to five jobs and work 40, 50, 60 hours a week and sacrifice the very anointing as they try to put on Saul's armor and face giants that they will knock them clean, cold, stone dead. If it's You're not going to stand. You can build up your 401k to the very heavens and in one moment... Your wealth is not going to save you. Now, I'm not telling you not to be wise. But if you put confidence in your wisdom, it, it amazes me. It amazes me how little people know of the Word of God and how much they know of culture. They navigate 
TikTok and Instagram and whatever they can they know their jobs they know they know everything they are masters in their field and they love to tell me about it but they couldn't find their way around the word of God if it meant their life depended on it I know, who's, who's, I'm just wondering I'm just looking for I'm trying to answer one question who can stand who can stand those who have an anointing that serves as an armor you have the armor of God I don't know am I anointed then you betcha is it a lion is it a bear I don't know but it, it, is it a giant I mean, I hope this is resonating with you. This is end-time study. I don't know if y'all know this, but this is end-time study. Trying to figure out how it's all going to happen is a futile endeavor because I can figure it out and then read another smart person and go, maybe I was wrong. And you try. I, I will. If you want to know a commentary, I would recommend if you want to part with the $25 to get it. You can't have mine. You can get your own. It's Craig S. Keener. It's the NIV application commentary of the book of revelation $25 I would if you want to study revelation and you really care to know what the book says I would rec I have read a stack of books and I would recommend this one this is a commentary this is not a this is not somebody's this is a commentary yeah and it's Craig Keener he is he is a brilliant new testament exegete interpreter so you can take a picture of that anyway so here we are I'm gonna read I hadn't even read Ephesians yet have I therefore take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist when times are evil hmm and after you have done everything to stand stand firm buckle your belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness buckle See, it starts right there. Buckle the belt of truth around your waist. Before, I want to pause right there just for a second, but I want to read this other one <clears throat> about who is able to stand. We're about to come back to Ephesians, and then we're going to hop over, and we're going to go to Thessalonians. Y'all stay with me. Happy is the one. I, I don't like to read it in there. I like to quote it. How blessed is the man. <clears throat> Where am I at, y'all? Thank you. I love it when I get somebody who knows a word. How blessed is the man? I mean, I say, how blessed is the man? And she says, Psalm 1. That's what I want for all of y'all. That's what I want for all of y'all. How blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which give forth its fruit in every season. His leaf does not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And here's where I wanted to get you to. The wicked are not so, for they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. They shall not stand in the congregation of the righteous who is able to stand the righteous the ones who are anointed and have the armor of God the ones who carry his spirit who is able to not stand according to the word the wicked the wicked will not stand and that's the reason they're asking for the rocks to fall on them wicked men live in our world today and women a man I use it across the board I'm not even gonna go there no we're not we're on the track Ephesians I'm gonna go back to Ephesians having your loins your waist belted with truth 
Now let's go to 2 Thessalonians. I hope this is not boring y'all today. Truth. <clears throat> Truth. Truth. Yes, Tim. Stand, stand there for. And it's all has to do, when, when I say the anointed, who is the ultimate anointed? The word Christ means what? Messiah means what? See, when we call ourselves Christians, what have we just called ourselves? <clears throat> You've just claimed the anointing of Christ, not the anointing. But we stand in that anointing. Now, I'm going to teach a message on the anointing and what the anointing oil is. You can study it in your own time. It says, make the anointing the work of a perfumer. And it tells you all the different things that are in the ointment. In, it's the oil, the olive oil becomes the carrier for all of the herbs that are crushed and ground to powder and then mixed into the olive oil. Olive oil is a symbol of Israel. And all the different things that are crushed and put into the oil are all leaves and plants and herbs, all evoking a garden imagery. And so wherever the anointing is at, as Irenaeus said, we are gardens of Eden. We hold the garden of Eden. When you're anointed, you're a touchstone for the garden. Now, is that not good to y'all? <clears throat> we'll go there another time. Here, but let's get back to <clears throat> who is able to stand. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm going to read this in its entirety. Chapter 2. Now, we beseech you, brethren. I'm reading King James just because I want to. Now, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. <clears throat> okay, so the coming of our Lord and the gathering of ourselves unto him. What are we talking about in this chapter? The coming of the Lord, the end times, and our gathering together to him. That you not be soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor word, by letter from us, as the day of the Lord is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. Let no man do what? That the day of the Lord shall not come. Don't let anybody tell you that the day will, that has not come or has come, but except it will come first of falling away. Now right there, that should scare you out of your shoes. You say, no way, I shouldn't be scared. I should never be afraid. That's the problem with deception. That's why it's good. That's why it's called deception. So <clears throat> that's how it says, take heed, you stand. That's why Ephesians is so important. And stand. You need to, ch and that's why, if, guys, guys, if y'all don't know the book, If you don't know, I hope, this, I hope this hits you right between the eyes. If you don't know the book, I fear for you. If all you get is Sunday when you show up and the word of the day on your YouTube app or whatever your version app, and you have no idea how the word of God is a tapestry, that is put together, you need to know the book. And what does that mean? You know what it'll take you in order to know the book? Time. Sowing. Cultivating. Setting before the Word of God and asking the Spirit of God to illuminate the Scriptures to you. And then when he gives you, when you feel as though the Lord has given you something, try and disprove it with the word of God. That's how you'll test it. <clears throat> Testing the word. So as we look at this, deception, I've told y'all, the greatest thing is deception. Remember you not that when I was with you, I told you these things, and now you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will, will let until he's taken out of the way. And when shall the wicked one and when and then shall the wicked one be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, 
Even him whose coming is after it. See, there, we just read that in the sixth seal, right? Who's able to save us from the wrath of the Lamb? The brightness of his coming and they, <clears throat> that they might be damned. Okay, listen to this. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, uh, I am. Uh, thank you. And with, thank you, I need help. What is the most deceitfulness in the world? Just said it. I just read it. I heard it. Yeah. When you try to take your unrighteous behavior and to somehow spin it into righteous behavior, it's okay. It's fine. Grace will cover it. No one saw. It doesn't matter. I'm not as bad as the next guy. It's that right there. It's deceitful. When you try to cover your unright, your disobedience by making excuses, you're already deceived. And you don't know it because the deception is partnering with the comfort of your flesh. And it feels, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. If being right means living without you, I'd rather be wrong than right. That's true. That's, see, that's the, that's the reality. My mama and daddy say it's a shame. It's a down. I thought we were supposed to obey our father and mother. It's a downright disgrace. But as long as I got you by my side, I don't care what my people say. What is it? My friends tell, I got friends. My friends tell me there's no future in loving a married man. Oh, now we know what the song's about. Little trollop. But see what I'm saying, how the song right there, everything in that little country and western song, Barbara Mandrell, the, the troubadour, as we see that, what we find out is how a person takes what they want and they define it according to how it makes them feel and they say it's good because it feels good, therefore it is good. And they are deceived. This is the deception and evil. But we, that's it. So we keep going. With all deceivableness of unrighteous in which that perish because they receive not the love of the truth. What do they have to love? What do you have to love in your life? Tell me the truth. I mean, you may not like me, but you might love me. You see what I'm saying? I am the best of my ability, God as my witness. I am going to tell you the truth, even if it hurts. I've had people tell me more times in my life, Andrea, you're mean. No, I'm not mean. It would be mean of me to let you continue on in your blindness. I would rather hurt you slightly than see you hurt for eternity. I bet you. Miles, he didn't understand. AI. You know, so here we go. And with all deceitfulness, for this cause we're leaving, they shall send them a strong delusion. And for this cause, who will send it? God will send them a strong delusion so that they, wouldn't, they would believe the lie. Can y'all not feel this in our land today? That they might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness who is able to stand and what do what is the righteous known predominantly for their love of the truth 
Okay, that's who's able to stand. We're gone.